I guess we can like count down when we start or something. Yeah, <laughs> so I don't know how this works, dude. I'm a new. <laughs> okay, I just started recording. So, hey everyone, this is uh, the Raisins in the Sun podcast, the first episode uh, featuring Amir and his childhood friend Ubaid. So, um, hey everyone. Yeah, so this is Ubaid. Uh, we're gonna essentially just start off with like a quick introduction, you know, um, and hopefully we'll go into some pretty deep questions pretty soon. My name is first of all, Bayad Huck. I'm 23 years old. I'm an incoming medical student and I've been a Bay Area resident for the majority of my life. I have lived in Pakistan for three years uh, in my childhood when my father lost his job. And now I'm basically in this gap year kind of between um, applying to medical school and attending. So basically I'm not doing anything this summer. And so we just thought it would be cool to put together this kind of podcast thing. Wait, first of all, what's your dad's job situation? Or what was that? Uh, well, that was, uh, so that was pretty long time ago in my childhood. That's uh, why you moved to my the dad, US? Uh, that's why I moved to Karachi. Oh, um, to so Karachi. my dad, okay. yeah, my dad lost his job and we had family living in Karachi. So it was just nice. financially like more, uh, it made more sense basically to move to Pakistan mm-hmm. and stay there with our family. And then eventually he found his job like three years later He's been at that job for since then. Do you feel yeah. like your time in Pakistan like changed your trajectory at all? Or? Um, I think it did change my trajectory. Definitely. So there was a difficult adjustment period. Obviously, there's some cultural differences between here and, and uh, Pakistan. So I think for a while it was kind of difficult for me to adjust. But it did become kind of the springboard for me to learn a new language and connect with people in my family that I'd never known. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and in terms of career choice, I think it really influenced my decision to go into medicine as well. Because, you know, in Pakistan, things like homelessness and like poverty, they're a lot more apparent than they are in the U.S. I'm not saying that they're not issues in the U.S., but I think they're a lot more covered up here. So I think, uh, you know, I had a lot more exposure to that kind of suffering and those kinds of things when I lived in Pakistan, and that kind of started taking me towards the path of medicine. So why, why medicine in particular? Yeah, I think medicine as a career path was kind of like the culmination of a lot of interests that I had. So, of course, suffering and wanting to ease someone's suffering, medicine is like uh one of the career paths, but it's not the only one that you can take. You know, as I grew, I started becoming more interested in biology and, you know, applied biology to help other people is basically medicine. So to me, it kind of made more sense to do that. And, you know, as I got around volunteering at different places, I volunteered at a hospice in high school, then I volunteered at the hospital at UCSD. You know, it was just kind of like this culmination of experiences just led me towards medicine, I think. And I think, yeah, pretty early on, I did have in mind that I wanted to do medicine. There was this one incident in Pakistan where there was a lady who was hit by um, hit by a car who was begging on the street. He was bleeding to death, basically, on the street. And as a kid, you know, that's something that's really traumatic. Mm-hmm. And there's, there's nothing you can really do about it in that situation. But for me, I think that trauma kind of, it wasn't like I suddenly decided I wanted to go into medicine at that point. But... It was kind of the starting point for me to, you know, have the conversation with myself, you know, what do I want to do in life? Do I always want to be, you know, kind of powerless to things like this? 
or do I want to be able to do you know something when there's a tragedy like this and I think medicine was kind of just that empowering alternative for me and combined with my interest mm. in biology it's kind of it just made the most sense wait how old were you at that point okay. uh when I when I yeah I was around uh seven or eight years old I think mm. so you know there's really nothing I could do and it was just a pretty traumatizing event and you were in <laughs> so, Pakistan for like three years right so between like what like yeah seven and ten or something six and nine yeah i think six and nine yeah how are you feeling about like transitioning into med school i mean you you finally got your apartment situation figured out so that's good yeah <laughs> really last minute <laughs> but uh, are you like right now that yeah. you have your housing situation kind of figured out um are you yeah. you feel like you're more ready like yeah i think i think i'm actually a lot more excited than i am anxious i mean i've heard the horror stories about medical school so mm -hmm. yeah there's a little bit of anxiety in there but I think to finally like hone in on the things that you know I've wanted to do like in undergrad like there's a lot of like general science stuff that you learn but I think medicine to me has just been the most appealing thing so mm -hmm. to finally like focus on that and learn it and maybe interact with patients and like different opportunities like student clinics or something like that I think that's really interesting for me and I think it's something that's kind of exciting for me to go go do so um yeah, I'm definitely more excited than anxious right now, but mm -hmm. we'll see how that changes is as there, we get closer. Is there a certain like area in medicine that you want to focus on yet, or are you still weighing your options? Um, yeah, I'm kind of weighing my options. I definitely am thinking about internal medicine, though, especially internist or uh, intensivist care. Yeah, intensivist care is basically where you work with like a multidisciplinary team to work in the ICU, take care of patients that are like really uh, critically ill. Mm -hmm. I think it just, the fact that I haven't decided on what discipline of medicine I want to decide on is kind of influencing my decision to go into that because it's really this multidisciplinary thing mm -hmm. that you learn a, a lot of different medical field or medical practices and put it all together to help the patients that are like most severely ill. So no. tell me more about like I guess that kind of dynamic. Does everyone in the, in a in a given group um, have like a certain specialization within that, or is everyone kind of a generalist that like is multidisciplinary? Yeah. Um, so from what I garnered from when I was shadowing, basically in the ICU, everyone they have their own specialty. Like you'll have cardiac ICU specialists, or you'll have pulmonologists, or other fields like surgeons. And they all basically just collaborate when they're outside of their, you know, normal patient care inside mm -hmm. the ICU. So they'll take different trips down and, you know, have meetings about what to do with the patient or, you know, perform procedures when they're off. Like half the day they might spend in the ICU. The other half they'll see, they'll spend seeing patients and things like that. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, it's kind of a interesting dynamic, I guess. Definitely not the conventional, like, you have an appointment with a doctor kind of thing. But it's, it's interesting. I don't think I've gotten enough exposure yet, but, you know, we'll see as I move forward, hopefully. I was thinking we can transition to the actual, um, the, the reason that we like started this podcast was partially because I randomly, ironically decided to ask Zuhair these two questions. One of which was, I think it was like, what drives you in life, especially on a day-to-day -day basis? And then the second one yeah. was about like role models. So we'll start with the first one. So what do you think, yeah. both on a day-to-day -day basis, as well as thinking about your career long-term, you can start with one or the other. What do you think drives you or motivates you? Yeah, um, so I think just um, at all times, I think I'm driven by, you know, the fact that I have a privilege, like, you know, I have a supporting friend group and I have good health and uh, access to finances that 
a lot of other people just do not have. I think, you know, there's always daily reminders if you think about that kind of thing, uh, especially living in the Bay Area. Mm -hmm. And I think that, you know, medicine is a way to, you know, offer a little bit of, you know, assistance in any way that you can to these people who are less fortunate, especially like if there's impoverished people that can use like clinics and things like that. Just thinking about how I can use my career to help out other people that aren't as fortunate, that have the same, you know, they have the same hopes, the fears, they have family as well. And it's just things like that that uh, kind of motivate me to continue forward with medicine on a daily basis. Just reminding myself that there are people like this everywhere. Mm -hmm. um, so so uh, tell yeah, me then, more a little bit about, like you mentioned, especially in the Bay Area, like tell me more about how, so yeah. I think you gave an example of being in Pakistan, right, and seeing like a lot of kind of poverty and differences in privilege. Yeah. And you're also yeah. hinting that there's a similar thing like that in the Bay Area. Could you give an example or kind of compare it maybe in like how it's different, but still visible to yeah. you? Yeah, um, so I think, yeah, to really analyze that, I think more of my high school experience was, yeah, like just gaining an understanding of how much disparity kind of exists in the Bay Area. It is like the area in the, in the San Jose that I live in basically is this, I don't know, really high-end tech company kind of populated area. Mm -hmm. But if you go to downtown, mm -hmm. you know, you have families that are probably below the income average, especially in California, mm -hmm. that are, you know, struggling to make it in these small houses. They live with their families. You know, they don't have access to, like, some of the finer resources that, you know, everyone thinks of when they think of the Bay Area. Mm -hmm. So I think there is kind of this similar dynamic like in Pakistan where a lot of people will be, you know, living and they'll have like access to a bunch of things, education, but on the streets, you know, there are these impoverished people. But then in the Bay Area, I think it's more shifted such that there are certain regions in the city where there, where it's noticeably more like low income families first. I guess they try and hide it kind of behind all these fancy, uh, yeah. you know, renovation and all this sort of stuff. So it's not as obvious, definitely, but it still exists, I think, and kind of draw a parallel. Mm. Yeah, of like the Gilded Age or whatever, where, you know, you have this like fancy overcoat around it and makes it look like it was this great period. But beneath it, there's a lot of, you know, issues that are kind of hidden and you mm. don't really have yeah public eye over that yeah yeah i actually so i think both of us had a kind of interesting experience in high school because both of us because you you also did a mag magnet program to ib obviously because you you lived pretty far from san jose high school so yeah both of us went to san, this san jose high school which was in downtown san jose and i mean we live in different parts of san jose but in kind of like a little bit more affluent parts of san jose like i lived closer to great mall and uh the demographics are like a lot different for where I grew up. And then when I went to high school um, in downtown, it was like, it just felt a lot different. The demographics were a lot more. So like around where both of us lived, I feel like there's a lot of Asian people in general. And um, yeah. around downtown San Jose, there's more, a lot more like Hispanic, especially Mexican people. There's also like, you know, Viet some Vietnamese populations there, like where David would live near Independence High School. Yeah. Um, that was yeah. also a lot like poor of an area. So I feel like that was kind of a culture shock and kind of adjusting to San Jose High and like how you reacted uh -huh. both in ways that were like aggressive, but also like curious or whatever, you know, maybe if you can also just yeah. speak to like, if you feel like going through that high school at San Jose High School actually change your perspective on a lot of the issues that you see and maybe change your motivations yeah well so first of all going to san jose high i mean i think it was like a really good 
choice on my parents' part, honestly, um, because outside of that, you know, uh, my middle school and my elementary school experiences, I was in like pretty, you know, Asian and white dominated demographic. Mm-hmm. So I think going to San Jose High, I was definitely not expecting there's like a majority of Spanish speakers and flocking on campus. And <laughs> it was like a little weird for at least the first year. Uh, actually, I didn't expect people to be as open as they were to like new cultures, um, mm-hmm. because in middle school and elementary school, you know, you'd often get teased about being uh, Indian or slash Pakistani or being Muslim, especially. Yeah. And yeah. Yeah, so it's kind of, it was a lot more friendly, I guess, than I expected uh, at San Jose High. Obviously, I was a little bit, you know, there's a couple of, like, stabbings and things like that near the school that did mm-hmm. take me by surprise. You know, I wasn't, I wasn't used to seeing that, especially coming from more affluent part of San Jose. Yeah. yeah, yeah. But, but, yeah, in terms of overall just the school culture and being there, um, you know, like, it made me more willing to interact with people of other ethnicities and things like that because prior to that middle school elementary school i was conditioned to think like you know we should form these kind of cliques and things like that based on our like ethnicities yeah. race, whatever and uh, i think san jose high kind of opened that up for me it was kind of like you go out there interact with people you'll find commonalities between you and them even though mm-hmm. you know your upbringing or how you practice you know language and everything like that uh might differ there's still some commonalities between i think it's possible for there to be, you know, like outreach and friendliness between the people. Um, yeah, yeah. And um, I think going into medicine, this has been something that's also kind of influenced me um, because I know I definitely wasn't as aware of people, you know, being less affluent in the area or not having the same access to healthcare as I do. There's a lot of people uh, in medicine, a lot of groups that are basically stigmatized for seeking the same healthcare that, like, any person like us would so i think it's a lot it's important to be you know kind of open-minded in medicine to people's needs and to understand that there might be some subtext behind uh medical issues that they may not be mm-hmm. comfortable discussing with you at first mm-hmm. yeah i think it's important to just be open with your patients try and figure out you know things that might be going out externally uh looking at the patient as a person not just a set of symptoms you know so is um, when you talk yeah. about like people being stigmatized for seeking the same treatment is that like by yeah. the doctor or is it like institutionally kind of what is the nature of yeah. like, that discrimination i guess it's i think it's kind of on an individual basis also so doctors i think when they see patients for example uh with cross-sectionality and everything there's african-american women who are you know noticeably given or have way worse health outcomes because they often have their demands or their or their health concerns like kind of looked over by doctors Mm. Um, sometimes the doctor will treat it as they're being hysteric or things like that so i think Mm, on a person or like on a yeah on a person-to-person level i think it's yeah between care providers and their patients um i'm not too sure about institutionally how much it differs but i I guess if you know a patient is seeking like insurance insurance help or something like that for a procedure and if the insurance company doesn't deem it something that they should cover then the patient might be yeah they might be basically like forgotten or or whatever um yeah yeah, i'm not sure how the statistics are like that there's like there's also like the other side of that right like under treating Mm -hmm. certain patients but then also like with a lot of more like affluent people who are who see the doctor frequently like you can over treat them as well right like you can give them a bunch of Mm -hmm. stuff for just like a cold and in fact that can even have like negative consequences as well 
And yeah. so I, I think it's kind of like a spectrum, right? Like how I guess the doctor can both like decide to completely ignore a patient's um, concerns, but also like hone in on them way too much as well, right? So it's kind of like yeah. a balancing act, I guess. That's true. Um, yeah, I know there's a lot of stories. I mean, this is mostly anecdotal stuff. I'm not sure about statistics or anything, but there's a lot of anecdotal evidence for if there's a patient that's like pretty wealthy or if they need a checkup, then doctors will do, you know, the God of the way and often like forsake care for other patients just mm. to give this person like more tests, be more thorough with them, give them like VIP accommodations and things like that. Like I've heard people like bring in furniture to the hospital rooms for these people when they visit. And it's mm. just like, it's yeah, a little bit yeah. crazy. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> it's like <yeah>. a hotel. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. It's, it's pretty ridiculous, honestly. <laughs> um, especially like, I don't know, when you consider that the field is, you know, you're way of basically being able to give to people that are you know less fortunate and things like that and how are you going to do that if you're giving them like an un unequal care and basically just reinforcing all the uh differences outside of mm -hmm. healthcare itself yeah 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 also going back to the high school thing i remember this like the first year that I, that we we were both in uh like when we were freshmen in san jose high and i yeah. remember they were telling us like you can't wear two articles of clothing that are red or blue oh um, yeah and yeah. i was just like oh my god like <laughs> this is crazy and i was just like freaking out i was like i was like what, yeah. like 13 or 14 and i was like gg uh -huh. like am i gonna get like shot or something <laughs> i was just yeah. like like yeah, what is definitely. the gang presence and stuff but what's funny is like uh -huh. i mean for so for one I would see people get in trouble for that, like for, you know, inappropriate clothing or something like that. And but I never actually yeah. ended up feeling like in danger at any point, especially in terms of other students, like maybe outside of the school grounds, there was stuff yeah. going on. But so that was one. And then the second thing also was like over time as like so after the first year or two, like the the school administration started like thinking we were like good boys <laughs> and so uh, they yeah. wouldn't discipline us <laughs> yeah. at all like there were definitely uh, times that i wore true. like red clothing like a, like if it's like <laughs> it even be a hat right or like a red shirt yeah. and maybe like red shoes or something or red socks right but then mm -hmm. they wouldn't care at all but then i would see other people like get like, quote unquote, <laughs> like pulled over or called to the office or something so there was definitely <laughs> yeah. some weird dynamics going on there because like we were positioned as like oh yeah like we're the transfer students who are doing ib um, and uh, then there yeah. were even yeah. other students that were in IB too, but they were like Mexican and from the area. So like the administration was like not sure about them. So I, it's like an interesting thing <laughs> yeah. because the administration yeah, was like largely the same demographic as like the other students. Like they weren't even Asian mm -hmm. either. Right. So it's just kind of interesting. Yeah. Just like a thing with that comes with living in America, honestly. Yeah. It's like, yeah. I guess they learned to view themselves or yeah, they've yeah. been like conditioned to view like, I don't know, delinquency and like minorities and things like that. Yeah, yeah, but yeah, yeah I agree. We definitely got pampered <laughs> when we were in high school. It was, I think, it was a little bit ridiculous, honestly. But <laughs> yeah. like, like yeah. we honestly like, I, like one of the one of the things I always think about because we were so cocky and we would always like we would yeah. take like fifth and sixth year off for for Jimma. So like for our final yeah. prayers, we would like tell the school administration we needed like this amount of hours off and we wouldn't actually need that much time. But then the school administration would trust us because we we were like 
we were like we're getting like pretty decent grades and we're like Asi- these asian boys that are like you know apparently well behaved but like you know behind closed doors would be like screaming or something like that and so like, it was just really <laughs> funny like <laughs> we would just like walk all over the administration just because like or not walk all over them but we would definitely like not be very intimidated of them or their authority because they trusted us yeah <laughs> but yeah <laughs> this is pretty fun yeah I remember ditching to play tennis at the tennis courts at like six period when we were supposed to be praying. Like, I don't know. We got way too manipulative. Yeah, man. Oh, man. That was a lot of fun. And that, the one time, like, Mr. Myers <laughs> found out that we were like, I, I either we were making too much noise in the room where we were supposed to be praying, or he checked up on us or something like that. I think yeah. we were making noise or something. He was like, <laughs> we were like clearly not praying. We were like watching anime and stuff. And like, <laughs> Mr. Myers was like suspicious <laughs> it's like good yeah. times good times man. yeah <laughs> yeah honestly i i cannot understand how my classmates did not feel like they were yeah. being like super unfairly treated but yeah yeah, yeah. Like, people were very like we were more racist to other people than they were to us like everyone yeah. else was like oh Low yeah they, like you got prayer like that's pretty sick and like we would like we would be sharing like certain cultural like stories and stuff like that with them and they were like yeah. pretty open to it but like <laughs> and so ironically like i went in being like oh my god like i've like scared for my safety and like i'm one asian boy yes. amongst like 20 yeah. 20 like mexican people and i was like pretty racist about it but ironically like we were more racist to them than they were to us so, so. <laughs> that's definitely true man. <laughs> so i feel kind of bad about that <laughs> yeah uh, if any of our classmates from san jose are watching this i'm sorry guys like, <laughs> yeah. like we were really mean yeah i'm gonna you issue guys a public apology great people. <laughs> like, <laughs> you guys are great people i'm sorry <laughs> Yeah, we should record one of those YouTube apology videos where like we're like crying or something, and we're just like, I'm so sorry, guys. Like, uh, yeah. the sympathy, man. Yeah, yeah. But it's good. Like every time I visit San Jose High or like catch up with any old classmates, they seem to still be mm-hmm. pretty, pretty nice and have a good attitude. That, so yeah, pretty grateful for That's that. Pretty- but yeah, I definitely feel mm-hmm. cer- pretty bad for like certain stuff that we would just say offhandedly to <laughs> to classmates. And stuff. Yeah, I feel you. That's yeah, I think that's is. part of the thing. Yeah, the part of the thing with like immaturity, I feel like it's just yeah. not being able to understand those differences and things like that. But yeah, and I go, I yeah. think it actually maybe somewhat relates to also the whole minority kind of mentality is that like mm-hmm. I think since we were more more of like a quote unquote minority in that school, even though there's definitely a power dynamic since we were like definitely a little bit richer than most of our classmates, yeah. like it was also like we felt I think like a certain need to stick to ourselves and stick to our own guns mm-hmm. and because we were yeah, like that's you know definitely true yeah so it was definitely manufactured in many ways because people were really really nice but I think I went in with a mentality that was like oh I'm not, I don't think I'm gonna make much friends around um, much friends outside of my friend group um, which definitely yeah, changed exactly. after a few years but for sure it was mm-hmm. like a mentality I think that a lot of people yeah. kind of go in with this especially if you're like an asian growing up in the bay area and you're learned to like just stick with your own community basically <laughs> yeah exactly yeah. yeah that's true yeah i think middle school and elementary school definitely like reinforced that in me as well so mm-hmm. so one thing i wanted to ask was like is there are there any specific role models that you think you've looked up to in your life that have shaped your career and like what kind of uh-huh. impact do you think they've had on how you view your own self and uh, maybe you don't but if you have like any examples of, of anyone that you think has changed the trajectory of your career as well as the way that you look at your own yeah. life and dreams i think most of the role models in my life have been just like personal or fam- familial like mm-hmm. role models so mm-hmm. my parents definitely i think this is a lot of or something that a lot of immigrant families can definitely relate to is 
I know your parents work insanely hard. You know, they've given up their family, maybe some of their dreams to move here and Mm -hmm. seek better opportunities, if not for themselves and for you. And um, I think it's something that's really admirable. My parents, they definitely have like, you know, the majority of their family in Pakistan and they had, you know, housing and everything like that. But they came here because they believe that it would be better for us to be educated here once they eventually had kids. And so... So you think you have a similar mentality to your parents in terms of looking at your own kids or like how did it impact? So I think just seeing their dedication to, you know, like, I mean, my dad still goes to his job and he's, you know, past his retirement age. And Mm. my mom, you know, she even though she was going to be an OBGYN in Pakistan and gave that up, she still decided to become a Montessori teacher. So I think it's kind of an inspiration for me to just whenever I'm facing these difficulties, definitely I will in the field of medicine. That's kind of this like motivation or it kind of gives me the motivation to keep on going. And, you know, if my parents were willing to give up that much for me, then, you know, I should be able to, you know, go through with it, follow what I want to do in life because they gave up basically a lot of their livelihood for me to be able to do that. Mm -hmm. So that's kind of what it's been for me. Yeah. And then I guess uh, in terms of other role models, I think my uncle, is on my father's side he's currently the chief of pulmonary medicine at kaiser permanente and he's also you know like an immigrant like my parents and i think you know he's also very or pretty old uh, mm. <laughs> but um i want to say he's close to like 65 or something but i'm not sure and he's still but working yeah his... yeah and he commutes to he commutes to san francisco from like oh Cupertino every day which is like an insanely long drive so, <laughs> i don't know oh i'm not sure how he does that still but you know it's kind of like it just gives me an idea of you know the amount of willpower and dedication you should have if you're going to the field of medicine definitely giving me a good person to like use as a reference like do i have that same motivation and i think you know the answer that i've come to is yeah I definitely believe that I can do it seeing, you know, the hard work of my parents Mm -hmm. and things like that and Mm -hmm. the support of my family and just the amount of dedication that my uncle has. You know, I definitely feel like it's possible to get to that point and to do well for other people to that same extent. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, I think my parents, my uncle have uh, yeah, really served as my role models. A little bit of Roger Federer in there, too, uh, (laughs) because he's he's definitely a beast. He's really old. (laughs) He's a great tennis player. And, uh, you know, he's or he's pursued uh, what he wanted to till this day. And uh, yeah, yeah, I was I actually mean, so I was listening to this podcast about Roger Federer. I don't know if I told you about it. It wasn't about him uh, directly. Yeah. But so the podcast was uh-huh. interviewing this author called David Epstein, who wrote this. Yeah. He, he wrote the sports gene. But his recent book is um, Why Generalists Triumph in a Specialized World. Uh, it's basically about uh-huh. generalists versus specialists. And this is on the long form podcast, which interviews writers. So anyways, I was listening to this and he originally the title of his book, like his pitch was called Federer versus Tiger Woods, like Roger Federer versus Tiger Uh Woods. And the reason why is because Roger Federer, the way that he got into tennis was like he was a generalist at first. I mean, I don't know if you know his story. He grew up playing a lot of different sports and he played tennis because his mom was like a tennis coach or something. But like he didn't Uh even really care that much about tennis. And his mom like even refused (laughs) to coach him at some point because, you know, he wasn't Mm -hmm. being serious enough Um, but then he ended up just like getting better and better progressively at tennis and he wasn't even that serious about it and eventually he just became one of the best tennis players in the world Uh, whereas Tiger (laughs) Woods was like born and bred to be a golf player right so I actually Mm -hmm. I actually love Roger Federer for like 
that reason is that he he seems like a very yeah. down to earth guy and he's not necessarily like obsessed with tennis as like the be all end all of everything but he's yeah. like so good at the sport and he's so committed to mm-hmm. it at the same time but he also just seems yeah. like a regular guy yeah definitely yeah that's a yeah that's a great point like not seeing your i guess your career as like the be all end all also is really important especially in this bay area <laughs> mentality <Yeah>. where everyone <laughs> like prioritizes being working and things yeah, like that yeah. um yeah i mean i agree i think also in the field of medicine it's like medicine's not the only way that you can help other people you can definitely either become a social worker or volunteer uh for a lot of different efforts and i think that's something that uh, i tried to get as much perspective as i could by mm-hmm. volunteering you know food drives and things like that and i think it's important to do that because you need like a variety of experiences in your life not just the soul like hey i'm gonna go into medicine so i'm not gonna care about anything else kind of thing yeah yeah uh, yeah. yeah especially yeah. with asian parents i feel like because they're very career focused but at the same time they're mm-hmm. very family focused so it's kind of an interesting yeah. dynamic because i feel like some parents do have trouble or a lot of parents have trouble balancing that because a lot of people end up Mm -hmm. going into a career to take care of their family right but then you end up being very committed to it because you want to do well in it and you want to succeed but then a lot of times that results in you not having as much time for family and stuff so it's kind of like an interesting dynamic because i think at the end of the day a lot of asian parents are family focused but sometimes like the proxies that they use to express that commitment end up you know becoming more important or more time consuming than the actual commitment itself right so yeah that's true especially a lot of like i don't know competitiveness between families leads to them wanting you to do yeah, better in true. your career but at the same time and within the family they want you to spend more time so it's like this yeah, yeah. kind of weird dynamic there but. yeah wait so let me ask you too then do have you ever yeah. seriously considered because i remember in i don't know if this is 10th or 11th grade but you were like low-key kind of like casually studying for the mcat at that point like that early <laughs> so i was just i'm like have you considered seriously considered any other uh, career paths do you think or like explored anything uh I mean, for a little bit, I think in high school. Okay, so first of all, me studying for the MCAT that early was just dumb. I, like, <laughs> there's nothing I could have learned. And I'm pretty sure I had no idea what I was doing. I just wanted to look cool. So, Do you carry yeah, that kind of a book, tool man. In high you, school. you look like yeah. such a nerd. I was like, oh, man. I was, I was a big tool. I'm sorry, guys. <laughs> yeah, uh, <laughs> But um, in terms of consideration of other careers, my dad was kind of like, he wanted me to go into engineering a little bit. So I did definitely explore in that realm, like computer science a little bit. I did take that, remember mm. that like class we took in high school? Project like, Lead the Way. Alice and... <laughs> oh, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. The, the after school one as well. So, yeah, I mean, like, as is like tradition in all Desi families, it's basically <laughs> kind of between medicine and engineering. But I think, you know, I've been satisfied by just wanting to pursue medicine so mm. i don't think i've been too interested in pursuing other careers like i don't know it was kind of fulfilling in every way to me so i don't think i've necessarily been considering too many other careers outside of medicine but yeah within medicine yeah i'm kind of all over the place in terms of what i want to specialize or anything I yeah, don't think yeah. I've... that's interesting I, so ne- computer science never really sparked it the same way that medicine did you feel like uh, yeah, I feel like computer science definitely has its uh, impact on the world. You know, like there's many things, even in medicine, that you would never be able to do without computer science. So I think it's definitely a necessary thing, but I just feel like I wouldn't be able to do it myself. I, w- I kind of want to be out there, you know, directly with the people, helping them out, you know, in this practical, or like face-to-face kind of manner, rather than eventually your work becoming something that will help someone down the line. Mm-hmm. But I, I definitely value and respect, you know, pretty much every career out there that I think it's necessary for functioning society kind of to have. 
Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I agree, but I also have the inferiority complex in which I'm just sitting at this, like, <laughs> as an engineer, I'm just sitting <laughs> at this computer and just, like, programming uh -huh. this random stuff that I can't really see the, the impact or the actual mm, manifestation yeah. of. So I, I do think yeah. that's one of the benefits, I guess, of working in medicine, is especially if you're working directly with patients or even directly yeah. on research, I guess, is you can definitely see the, the potential impact, even if it's not, it doesn't end up actually really culminating. Exactly, yeah. Right. And yeah, I think the human touch is also like, just having this interaction with another human being is just like, it's nice that your field revol revolves around trying to make someone's life or day or whatever better right in front of you kind of yeah 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 but, for sure um yeah. all right so I, I was maybe we can end with this question but i guess when you think about your future and especially in terms of motivation right like when you think about where you want to be and you use that image to help guide you in where you are now like what is your ideal yeah. like whatever however many years down the line what is the image that comes into your mind uh -huh. when you think about your future your ideal future I, I yeah. know that's a heavy question, but it can be any, <laughs> yeah, it can be something question, as but... as simple as just like chilling with your family, you know, like a certain idea of like what I, what is ideal for you. And... Yeah. So I think somewhere down the line, you know, I hope that. Well, first of all, I hope that I'll be pretty experienced as a physician, so that I can you know provide the best level of care to patients and things like that. But I hope that also I'm someone dependable and maybe confident with my family, whoever <laughs> I have a family with or whatever. Mm -hmm. I also want to. I don't know. I think there's a lot of improvements in the world that could be made. Yeah. Like in even in just in medicine, like uh, you know, having more transparency with patients and you know, not overburdening physicians. Like I hope I can play a role in changing those kinds of issues. Um, maybe have like a private clinic to help patients that you know can't afford healthcare otherwise. Mm -hmm. uh, maybe be part of a system that kind of advocates for my patients as well as you know like the workers that are often abused and things like that i don't know it's kind of a confusing <laughs> time i guess like yeah, in the long yeah, term yeah. For me. and you're not even in med school but, uh, yet so it's, it's not a fair yeah, question exactly. to ask so <laughs> <laughs> no it's fine i mean but yeah it's definitely something i think about a lot it's like you know how there's a lot of things i want to impact in the world and i'm not sure that i can do all of those things for sure, yeah. just from especially like in the scope of mm -hmm. physician but but i hope to at least like play a role in at least you know, changing some of these things like patient abuses or worker abuses or have a clinic for impoverished people or yeah, something yeah. like that. Yeah. And, and uh, so in tech, there's like these two tracks that's like you can become an individual contributor or you can go into mm -hmm. like a managerial role. Yeah. I don't. So when you were talking about like managing your own, own clinic and stuff, I'm curious, like, do you see yourself yeah. in do you think you would be happy moving towards eventually a role that's a lot more managerial, a lot more like you're managing your your own clinic or doing something like that, mm -hmm. or do you do you also um, see yourself kind of like as an individual contributor in like a large institution as well? Um, I guess like uh, what do you think is more appealing to you? I guess uh, I still think you know being out there as like an individual contributor. I think that's why I got into the field in the first place wanting to be able to help people directly and like, you know, take care of them myself and do my best for them. So I think I would definitely want to be out there on the fields providing care myself, not as much as a managerial position, mm. but uh, yeah, maybe yeah. if I have some assistance or something can help run the clinic or something. But yeah, I definitely at least want to be part of the patient care process still. And, you know, just being able to talk to patients, you know, use my uh, education or experiences to, you know, help uh, ease their lives or the sufferings or anything mm -hmm. like mm -hmm. that. I think that's something I'd still want to do. 
cool you know however many years down the line yeah yeah yeah, yeah. and have you ever considered doing med- medical work abroad or do you think you would mostly stay in the u.s because I have some uh, friends who do are really into global yeah. health, you know, but it's I feel yeah. like it's very different. Have you ever considered that? Honestly, uh, I have uh, kind of considered like I, I owe it to like I don't know my family or other people back home who have supported me as well to you know maybe improve healthcare el- like elsewhere, whether that's in Pakistan or other countries or anything like that. Um, so I do feel like I thought about doing that, but a lot of like logistics stuff I'm not actually too sure about and like getting my medical degree here first and then seeing where that takes me I think is kind of what my attitude has been so far but yeah I think it's definitely something that's really uh respectable to like go abroad and you know help educate or help take care of people in other countries that don't have the same access to resources that we have here that's something I've I think is really respectable and maybe I'll consider it after getting my MD or something hopefully Yeah, yeah 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 take it a day at a time that's good. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I, and I, especially speaking, I guess, in terms of like motivations and stuff, I think there's always that yeah. balancing act when, because you're talking about what moti- what drives you on a day-to-day basis. And a lot of it is like these large dreams. But at, on the other hand, yeah. you also want to be able to experience things on an actual day-to-day basis instead of, yeah. you know, yeah. trying too hard to look into the future, right? But then at the same That's time, true, that yeah, future exactly. motivates your present, right? I, I don't know if yeah. you, you have yeah. to kind of make strike that balance at all or, you know, anything I, like I that. I think so. Um, yeah, definitely. I mean, uh, especially like day to day, there's, you know, like temptations, like mm-hmm. play a league or hang out with your friends. And like, <laughs> even though this might not be the best thing for your future, you know, yeah, yeah. but I mean, yeah, it's kind of this like balance. Like you don't also want to like project too far in the future and set your goal or set your mind on something mm-hmm. and only accept that. But I mean, cause nothing really goes according to plan in life, but. So you think you, you know, just perpetually uh, try to find that balance on the day to day, but so is it always different for yeah. you, you feel like? Yeah, I think so. There are some days, especially where I'm like, okay, uh, you know, I'm just going to like take it as it comes or whatever. And then some days where I think about, you know, more of my future goals and things like that. So mm-hmm. it's, it's a little hard to achieve that balance, I think, but it kind of works. It's gotten me this far. So yeah. hopefully, uh, hopefully I can refine that balance, I think, as I go forward. Yeah, for sure. And I think med school would be a good, good training process to learn how to do that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely. <laughs> so yeah. I think so. Um, thanks for sitting through all, all this interview yeah. that ended up being twice as long as I expected. Thanks for having me. But, uh, <laughs> it's okay. Yeah. Thanks for having me. Yeah, yeah, I appreciate it. Thanks, Ubaid, for uh, coming to this podcast. Uh, Ubaid, again, is a an incoming medical student at University of South, South California. And uh, yeah, so we'll maybe check in at some point in a few months and see where journey takes you. Yeah.